you have your Bible tonight, we're going to be looking at uh, Exodus chapter 3. And you guys know that we got into a series three weeks ago, and what we're doing is we're studying the life of Moses. And the reason why this is so important is because we're not studying exactly the life of Moses, but what we're studying is we're studying the God of Moses and studying what God did to get him through everything that Moses went through. And it was quite the journey, but God was faith through, faithful through every bit of it. And we're, we're showing that aspect of God, that God is faithful. But sometimes we say that, but we don't list the details of it, of exactly how God is faithful, how God is consistent, even when we're so inconsistent. So last week we were talking about how God is faithful to help us. And how God, through the entire life of Moses, he was there working out every bit of the details of that. And God was moving him along and set him up. How did, how did Moses get so strong in knowledge to be able to do what he did? God gave it to him. From the small child, he was brought into Pharaoh's house. He was given a PhD in leadership, PhD in leading people. You think, how did he lead the children of Israel through the wilderness? How was that even possible? Well, the reason why it was possible because of the fact is God worked out all the details. And God does that with us. You'll work a job and you think, I, why in the world am I even at this job? This, this is never going to help me in life or I hate this job. God has you there for a reason. God always does everything for our good. All things work together for good to them that are love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Then God moved him again. You know, he rose up to fight the Egyptian and killed the guy, hit him in the, uh, in the gr- ground because he was uh, nervous about what was going on and the fact that he thought that these guys would think that he was a hero. And they come back and said, oh, you're going to kill us as well? Now he's without, a man without a country. The, the Egyptians didn't want him and the children of Israel didn't want him. So he turned around and he ran. He ends up at this well, this resting spot. And there he meets uh, the people uh, God's people that are going to help him. He, he finds a wife. He finds his children. He finds this new life. Everything that God's pulling together through this. It was amazing to see what God was doing through every aspect of this. And so important for us to understand that even though you get to places in your life that you really don't know what and why, God has a reason and plan for every bit of it. But I want to talk about where do you go from here? Tonight we're going to talk about the faithfulness of God through everything to guide us or to lead us. Have you guys ever been in spots in your life where you're thinking, I have no idea what to do? You be honest. Have you ever been there? I've been there many times. I'm like, I don't know what in the world I'm supposed to do. I don't know how to do this. And here's the thing. We're just being real because a lot of times you talk to other people and Christians and they'll come up to you and say something like this and say, well, just ask God and he'll tell you. And you're thinking, man, I've been asking God and I still don't know what to do. You know, it'd be great if God just sent me a text message or, you know, made a post on Facebook and told me what to do. It'd be so much easier. But God doesn't work that way. So you're like, how does God talk to you? And it kind of drives you crazy when people say, well, God led me to do this or God told me to do this. And you're thinking, were you just driving on the road and God whispered in your ear? Or, you know, how does that happen? I mean, how does God speak to you or tell you what to do? So I want to explain that as we get into this. Trying to figure out what it is because we all go through and face things and we just like, God, I just need an answer. It's like this, even as you say, people say, well, just read the Bible. The Bible has all the answers. I, I'm not denying that at all. But, you know, if people say, how old should your kids be when they start dating? You know, it's like, I, I haven't found that verse yet. So if you find that verse, let me know. And I know the Bible tells you to walk in wisdom and God will give us wisdom. And I know I'm looking for that. I'm so seeking that, especially raising teenagers, it's like, there's so many questions that I have. I, I don't want to be so strict that I scare them to death, that I drive them away. I don't want to be loose, that, I, that they, they have no standards or convictions in their life. I, I, want to, I, I know everybody says, don't be, don't be their friend or their buddy. You got to be their parent. But at the same time, I, I, I want to be part of their life. And does anybody, am I the only one like this? It's, it's like, I just want to do what's right. God, just show me so I don't mess this up. I just need to know. I just need to know. Should I move? Should I sell the house? Should I take that new job? Should I buy this new car? God, just show me. Lord, teach me. So there's a popular passage in the Bible that I'm going to talk through before we get into Moses. So Exodus chapter 3 is where we're going to park, and we're going to go through a couple of verses tonight. But can I just read a very popular verse that maybe some of you have memorized and you have on placards in your home 
and you, you, you have this, that you've, you, poetry around your house and things like this. Psalm 23, verse 1. But I want you to think about it from the perspective of how God is faithful to lead us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What does a shepherd do? The shepherd leads those that don't know what to do. You think about it, a sheep are dumb. They don't know what to do. They, they, if they were led to the water, they would just go all in and drown. That's how dumb they are. They, they wouldn't know when to rest. They wouldn't know what to, when to stop. In that second part, the I shall not want, it's, it's a cool because it's not a, it's not a phrase in the Greek. It is a word in the Greek. The word for I shall not want brought together into that phrase literally means, it not only does it mean to not, to not lack, but it also means to not fail. The Lord is my shepherd. As long as he's leading me, I will not fail. It, it's a cool way to look at it because the idea is, God, I'm a parent of three teenagers. Show me what to do. Actually, I'm, I'm a parent of two teenagers. Now, guys, this is crazy. Next week is my son's 20th birthday. My oldest son is turning 20 years old. If you want to feel old, Wait till you're, when your kids start turning 20. I, I, it makes me feel really old, okay? So now I can't even say that I have three teenagers. I mean, I have to say I have two teenagers and one in his 20s. It's so weird to say. I, I know this, that the Lord is my shepherd. He's going to be my guide, and he will not lead me to fail. He made me that promise. That's what Psalms 23, 1 and verse 2. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He leads me to stop. Do you hear that? God will lead you to stop. Sometimes when you're asking God where to go and he's not telling you, maybe it's because he doesn't want you to go anywhere. He's just leading you to stop. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. God, what am I doing? Just stop. I say this because you know where Moses is in the passage that we're about to pick up? He's not going anywhere. Actually, he's in the middle of nowhere. He's on the backside of the desert. That's where he's at. God leads us to stop. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He leads us to places to renew. Maybe it's not time to lead. It's not time to grow. It's not time to go. It's time to just be renewed. Some of you, maybe when you came to our church, you were just like, I just don't know where to go and I don't know what to do. And then God says, I don't want you to do anything. I want you to just sit right now. And that's not an excuse because the rest of your life you're going to sit there and say, I'm just here to renew. No, God renews our strength in order to keep going. God makes the sheep to stop because he had a plan for them. He restoreth my soul. It's, he, he literally spells it out as he goes. He restores my soul. He gives me back what I need to get to the next part. But let me tell you, the shepherd knows that. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. God will never lead you to do wrong. That's why it's so important that we have a relationship with God. Because you say, I don't know what to do as a parent. And I know I'm using that illustration, but trust me, that is my life. It is God. I, I make decisions as a pastor. I make decisions in leadership. But let me tell you one of the heaviest things on my heart is making decisions for my kids. Making decisions in life. And there is no book. I don't, I don't care who you're reading right now. There, there is no book out there that's going to spell it out. Because we have to be light of the Spirit of God. Yea, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Let me put it like this. Yeah, I'm going to go through some really hard, dark times. But I'm going to be honest. I don't have to be afraid. I don't, I don't have to walk in fear that I'm going to fall off the edge or blow everything. You know what I'm saying? You know, parents like, I don't want to, I don't want to mess this up. God says, as long as you're following the shepherd, as long as he's leading you, as long as you're listening to him, that the rod and the staff, they're tools that the shepherd uses. God has given us certain things that he still leads us. He's given us the spirit of God. He's given us the word of God. He's given us the fellowship of the saints. He's given us these things. So how does this work? I'm I'm building up to, I'm trying to give application because I don't just want to say, God will lead you. I've heard that my whole life. I need more than that. How does he lead me? Give, me? give me some meat. Give me some structure to this. John 10, 27, the Bible says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So here's what he's saying is, if you're going to be led by the master to stop, to rest, to be renewed, to go, 
all these different things that you have to pick up on this. You've got to listen to the voice of God. And I knew even then you're like, okay, what does that sound like? Because remember, God doesn't send out text messages. We don't have GPS when it comes to things in our life. But the Bible says that he leads us. My sheep hear my voice. How does God speak to us? And I love this passage that we're going to get into in Exodus tonight of explaining this. Let me give you one more verse. I'm just, if we're going to get into the faithfulness of God, what God does, I, I want to explain exactly what we're talking about. So one of my favorite verses in the Bible when I, when I do counseling, this is it. So all of you are in a counseling session right now, okay, all together, everybody online and in person right now. Psalm 20, uh, 37 verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his ways. The reason why I think this is so powerful is because the Bible describes the journey of what to do next as a step. See, a lot of times when you're looking forward, it's like you've got a 12-year-old, 11-year-old, and you're like, I'm not, I, I'm not equipped to raise teenagers. And God says, wait a minute, I, I just need you to raise an 11-year-old right now. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's what God has for it. I don't know where you're at in your walk or in your journey like this, but I can tell you this, when it comes down to it, just... The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. If I was standing up right now, I'd illustrate this, but it's just literally one foot in front of the other. God's going to say, just worry about this, taking this next step. And I think that's important for us to understand. You say, I don't know what to do right now. God says, well, what is tonight's Bible study? Okay, get on and just take that step and listen to God and hear his word and then wait for God to help you with the next step. And God does this. God guides us. It's not telling us, to not date this person or not take this job or whatever it is. But what does the faithfulness of God to lead us look like in life? Now let's get into Moses. So what was God doing? God had him on the backside of the desert. And here's the passage that we left off on. It says in Exodus chapter 2, verse 23, we'll finish this up and then we'll get into chapter 3. And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried. And their cry came unto God by the reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. The word respect literally means that God had compassion. So you've got to understand the big picture of what's going on. As God says, I see that. And here's Moses over here thinking he's just in limbo. God says he's not in limbo. He's in training. Some of you guys right now, when you feel like I'm spinning my wheels right now, I'm not going anywhere. Maybe God has you in training. He has you in that rest. He's restoring your soul. But God doesn't quit on you, even in the pause moments of your life. And the big picture of this is kind of cool because we're really, if I'm being honest, we're, we're all Moseses. God, God pulls us out to save us, to send us back in to rescue people that are lost. I've been set free. I know what God's done in my life. And that's the mission that God's put me on. It's not just to stay there, but God's going to equip you. Every person here, God has a plan for you to just be like Moses. I want you to go and be my mouthpiece. I don't know what to say. God says, just be my vessel. Be my messenger. That's what I'm asking you to do. And God moves us in this. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. We'll get to the new part today. Now, Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of the Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert. And he came to the mountain, and the mountain's name was Horeb. And this is a two-day journey where most people think of where they were at and they would take the sheep and they would go for long and they'd bring them from place to place to graze and he would take care of them. And a lot of times that shepherd would, would literally sleep out there. That was their life. They would go on these long journeys. Sometimes it was short length of time or long length of time, but that's what they did. That's what Moses did. So he spent a lot of time alone. You can imagine, God, I thought I had a plan. God, I, I have a burden for my people. God, what am I doing out here? But it was cool because he was a shepherd. And we talked about this last week, that what was God going to have him do with the children of Israel? He was going to have them shepherd them into the plan that he had for them. And he comes to the mountain of God. And this word Horeb means a desolate, dry, parched place. Let me point out, this was just an ordinary day for Moses. Maybe he was out there, God, I don't know what to do. God, I'm just going through life. I'm spinning my wheels. I need an answer from God. But this is so cool of how God does this. Sometimes we have the idea to hear from God, you have to have this special moment from God. You're going to revival service. You're going to look for that, you know, that preacher, that, that one person that's going to speak to you. But God is awesome. God doesn't need just as I am. He doesn't need an altar. He doesn't need a church service. God can speak to you anywhere. 
wherever you're at. It doesn't have to be a revival meeting. I'm, I'm excited. The teens are leaving in the morning to go to snow camp. They're going to be gone for two or three days to go to the snow camp. I love the fact that they're going to get away and be in this situation where they can just hear from God. But I'll tell you, that situation for you can be just driving back and forth to work. It's just hearing from God. So here it is. I think sometimes we don't hear it because we're not still enough. So this is a popular story, but can I just bring out a couple of factors about how God spoke and how unique this was and how powerful this was? I know this is popular, and I tell you, I learned this story when I was probably three years old. The burning bush. You know what I'm saying? If I ask you guys right now, however you... How many of you have ever heard of Moses talking to God in the burning bush? We'd all be like, yeah, I know that. That's where he got the instructions. But have you ever stopped to ask the question, why? How weird is it? God could have showed up in a mighty oak. God could have showed up in a pillar of fire. God could have showed up in the mountains. But he literally picks the most insignificant object around him and shows up in the middle of that. Have you ever wondered why? It's just weird. To be honest, the Bible is filled with weird. It is. How many things and stories in the Bible that we just kind of, maybe we grew up in church so much, we heard them so much, we never stopped to say, hey, that's just weird. I won't go into that, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Verse 2, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Stop and think about this. What was God doing? I mean, you think about it. God has talked to people and introduced himself like, like the angels. When God came to introduce that, that, that Jesus was born, heavenly hosts saying out this. But this time it's just a bush. What about when the children of Israel were being led through the wilderness and God led them with a pillar of fire and the Shekinah glory of God shining down? But this time it's just a shrub. An insignificant shrub. So let's not overlook the significance of it. And let's get into this. I'm asking the question, how does God lead us? How is God faithful to lead us? I give you three points. I don't know why preachers do three points. I guess it's just a number we pick. So here's three points, okay? Number one, God speaks to us in unusual and simple ways. And I know this is going to make sense as we go through this because a lot of times we're looking for the, you know, the, the Billy Graham crusade, you know, to show up in town and like get a hold of our heart and transform lives. But God works through anything. The bush in the Greek or in the Hebrew, Old Testament here, going back is simply a thorny shrub. Now you got to think they were on the backside of the desert. This wasn't some massive, beautiful structure that God was showing himself. It was a thorny shrub, not a cedar tree, not anything beautiful, not anything powerful. Now, the emphasis is not on the thorny shrub, but on the consuming power that rested upon the thorny shrub. See, the bush was not God. The bush was just the vessel that God was choosing in that moment to appear unto them. Because the Bible says that the fire consumed the bush, but the bush was not burnt up. So I'll ask you this question, what can God use to accomplish his work? Anything. I mean, think about it in the Bible. What has God used to accomplish his work? Jawbone of a donkey? A talking donkey? Uh, you know, floating handwriting on the wall? I mean, a, a fish with a coin in its mouth? I mean, you think about how often God teaches the most powerful lessons of our life through the most insignificant, unimaginable, unexpected ways. That is what God does. I, I had something on my heart, literally. I'm driving down the road. And, and I, I'm just literally talking and praying and thinking. And, and, and my family knows if I have something on my heart, it really consumes me. And I I'm really had something on my heart. And I remember turning on the radio. And I'm, I, I'm not trying to give you one of those goofy, spiritual, touchy-feely stories or whatever. But here I am. I'm going to give you one of those weird things. I turn on the radio and the, and the preacher said this as I have it on. Uh, I can't remember one of the Christian stations. And he says, hey, maybe you're at a place and you don't know what to do. God told me to give this devotion for the day. And I was like, what? I mean, literally, as soon as I turned on the radio and he started speaking, and I promise you, as weird as it is, and you guys know that I'm not, I am weird, okay, but I was gonna say I'm not weird. But it was almost like in that moment, like God was just like, you need to hear this. And you say, that's, 
just a coincidence, whatever. No, God works in mysterious ways. His wonders to perform. That's what God does. God works through things that you're not expecting. And I know that God did this. And it's God's way of saying, listen, I know you're in the car and I know what's on your heart. And I know that you're looking for direction. But my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. I don't have a physical shepherd in my life just to listen, like say, hey, let's go. But God works through things like this. And that's the whole point of this. God was saying, you're going to hear a message and I'm going to just bring you to a thorny shrub in the middle of nowhere. And I'm going to use that to talk to you. That's what God was doing. I'm not trying to get off topic, but let me tell you how much God has proven this to me. I surrendered the preach in a, in a big youth service. I, I did. I remember surrendering to full-time service and everything in a, in a separate service. I just knew God was working in my heart. Big music, people at the altar, all these things happening and just... It was just really dynamic, over-the-top, exciting moments of God in my life. But I hit a spot that I was on the backside of the desert. I knew that I needed to go to Bible college, but I had, I had no direction. I didn't know what to do. And I heard of this one preacher. He had a Bible college. I think it was in South Carolina, North Carolina. It was like 25 years ago, so I don't really remember. Uh, so I, I, I felt like that's where God wanted me to go. It was, it was the, the pastor's name back in the day. Some of you might remember him. His, his name was Dr. Harold Seitler. And I really thought that that's where God was going to have me go to Bible college. So me and Jenny are now three months away from getting married, and our plans changed over and over again. Actually, I looked at community college. I looked at online courses. I didn't know what to do. I really didn't know what to do. So I drive up there by myself, and I told Jenny, I said, I'm going to work all this out. Don't worry about it, because here we're three months from getting married. And she's like, we still don't know what we're doing. All we know is that we're going to college. We're, we're, God wants us to be in full-time ministry. I drive up there from the time that I left the house, two days into the trip to the time I came back, it rained every step of the way. I'm not kidding. I'm not just saying that it, it, it sprinkled. It poured down rain. And you just say, are you reading into things? No, it was just really dreary. Every time I remember that, I just remember walking around with wet shoes and wet clothes. That's all I remember. I filled out application after application going to places to get a job. Not one person spoke to me. I found a place that I thought that we could live. It was like, it was like a two-bedroom trailer house the, the, the lady said, you have to be careful because it like rocks and it, you know, all these different things. It was the only thing that I could find that we could rent. We are going to the college and I found out that the college hours for the, uh, them having school was almost at the exact same hours that I had to be in school. And I'm like, that's not even going to be work because I need to work during those times. And every, the, every door was shut. Every, every door that I thought. And to be honest, I am questioning God. Why did you lead me to here just literally for nothing to work out? And I'm almost angry with God because I'm thinking, you should show me. But let me tell you, God is faithful to lead us. And I think sometimes we're so gung-ho that we're trying to make things happen. I came back and I remember going to Jenny's house. She lived in Georgia. I lived in Alabama. And I remember driving to Georgia first and walking in there. And I remember she was sitting in, in, in her bedroom. And when I sat down on the side of the bed, she said, how did it go? This was before cell phones, okay? So well, I had no cell phone. And I said, I couldn't register for us for school. I found no place for us to live. And I have no leads for a job. And I remember Jen literally like tearing up. And she says, I thought this is what God wanted us to do. And I said, I did too. But I said, nothing is working out. God works in mysterious ways. Let me back up in the story a little bit. I was on in high school. I dated another girl. It wasn't Jenny, okay? She was a pastor's daughter. I met her at a camp. Man, I thought it was love. We dated for a year. Most of it was long-distance relationship. At the end of it, I knew God wasn't in it. I broke up with her. It was done, but it was weird. Just because I had such a good relationship with her dad. Okay, as weird as that is. Her dad calls me up out of random, and literally says to me, says, Tony, God wanted me to call you. I know people use that phrasing all the time, but he did. He said, God wanted me to call you. He said, it was really heavy on my heart to call you. I said, okay. Have you decided on Bible college yet? I said, no. He said, would you mind if I take you down to visit Trinity Baptist College where I graduated from? He said, I, I don't even know why I'm doing this, but I really feel led to do this. I said, yeah, because I really don't know what I'm doing. He ends up meeting me and my fiance down in this Bible college. 
drives us around. I go to take a tour of the college. While I'm taking a tour of the college, this guy walks past the guy that's giving me, and he says, hey, this is a new guy looking at the college. And he looks at me, and he says, you're going to need a job, aren't you? And I said, yeah. He goes, here's my address. Come see me today. I'll get you a job. I said, well, I, I'd need a ride to job, work. Well, we went to look at apartment complexes that afternoon. We, we got registered for an apartment complex. I found out that the guy that was going to interview for me the job lives in the same apartment complex. And when he found out where I was applying to, he said, well, be neighbors. I'll give you a ride to work. We signed up for the college, and they turned around, and they said, hey, right now we're running this special. If, if married people go full-time to school, the spouse goes to college for free. So I was like, what in the world? I had a place to go to college. I had a job that I didn't look for. I got hired on the spot. The guy was giving me a, a, a ride to work, and everything worked out. I went from one situation to this. But let me tell you why. The Lord is my shepherd. I will not fail. God goes before us, and God has it all worked out. And I think sometimes we don't have the patience to understand what God is doing in our lives. God is faithful to lead us. He is. God doesn't fail. He doesn't drop the ball. He will never, ever drop the ball on you. And it doesn't matter how severe the thing is, because I didn't just need a job. I didn't just need a place to go. I needed everything. Talk about getting married and going to your fiance and her parents too, and just saying, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing, but I know I'm following God. It just doesn't make sense, but it is. Can I put it like this? I'm talking about a shrub, okay? But can I tell you that God in that moment used Pastor White, who was that pastor of my ex-girlfriend, to be that shrub that God says it's not about him, but can I just put my presence on him and speak to you? And you can look at him and say, he's just a guy, but I can use anybody. I can use anything. All I need is the presence of God to show up in something in your life, whether it's a talking, talking donkey, or it's a pastor, or it's a friend, or it's a random radio station. I don't care what it is. Don't write off God because my God is a God that uses anything. It's who he is. Because you think about what we all are. We're vessels. That's what we are, isn't it? And I know there's some to honor and some to dishonor and all that. But what is a vessel? A vessel is just an object that carries something. You know what the bush was? It was, a, it was an object that God was using to carry the presence and the message of God. And God was leading through this. But can I tell you that this goes in two ways? And I know I'm going to kind of go in two different directions, but... I, I, I have to include this at the same time because it's true. You could be the messenger that God's going to use to talk to somebody else. God works through people. You sit there and say, well, I'm glad there's people like you, Pastor Tony. I'm glad there's pastors like Pastor Dave and Pastor Bryce and Pastor Chris and people like Richard and us that have these positions and leadership and stuff like that. But let me tell you the reason why God was going to raise up a leader and he's staring at a thorny bush that's going to sit there and say, not me, God. I, you couldn't possibly use me because of the fact is you don't think you have what it takes. It's not about you. It's about the God that will put his presence and power on you to do what you could not do for yourself. Don't underestimate the God that you serve. All you need to be is an empty vessel that the Spirit of God can fill you. Because we're, we're thinking, God, I am nothing, then God says, then good, you are perfect. Because through my weakness, then I am made strong. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, keep this in mind as we talk about this. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. In your thorny, insignificant, broken shrub. Most gladly, therefore, I'd rather glory in my infirmities, in my brokenness, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Do you see what he's saying? Paul was just saying, man, I'm broken, I'm nothing, I'm insignificant, but man, I'll be this all day long as long as I can experience the presence of God in my life. God will use you to display the glory of God the same way that God used that thorny bush in the middle of the desert to display the power of God. And you think about what happens now. We tell stories and we'll put up that burning bush, don't we? 
And the Bible makes a big deal out of the fact that it was this on fire, but it wasn't consumed. And we're, we're pointing out this in the middle of the desert to do this. God desires you to guide others. He will use your story. You say, man, if you knew my past, God says, oh, I know your past. I saved you from your past because I'm going to use your past. Some of you have a way to connect with people in a greater way than any preacher ever could. And And I'm telling you, you say, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get out of it. God will use your story that you're so ashamed of. And God says, it's it, it, it's your redemption story. It's what I saved you from. I pulled you out of the pit. You're no longer who, the, you, God relabels you. It's not just a sinner. It's, it's, it's a child of God who was once, and I, I started preaching on that. I'm not going to preach. I'm saying you once were, but now are. You know what Romans teaches us? You're no longer that, but you are this. But now that you're this, you can point back to that. And right now, God could be calling and saving you and reserving you to be able to preach your story, to help rescue people. Man, all these different things. God will use that random card that you sent out to be an answer to prayer. Somebody, God can use your testimony, your encouragement, that random phone call. Today, I, I, I did that. I was just driving down the road and somebody came to my mind and I just said, hey, Siri, text so-and-so. No, Siri, I was kidding. Right? So I was telling Siri just to, to do this one thing, and, and I texted, and at that point, they, they texted back and said, hey, I needed this. It wasn't me. It's just the Spirit of God using this insignificant person, and I'm not trying to belittle. I know I'm a child of God. I'm redeemed. I'm saved. I'm proud to be that. Sometimes we look in the mirror and thinking, I can't help anybody. God will use you to help others to be that message, and God will use others to help you there's a second part of this. God leads us in unusual and simple ways. We've covered that. Number two, God leads us through conviction. You say, wow, you just took a left turn on this. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. What is the fire? Okay? What is the fire? And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire. Why the flame of fire? And think about that. I think we've heard it so many times. Wasn't an angel standing there? Wasn't a cloud standing there? It wasn't Ten Commandments. He's talking to him in a flame of fire in the burning bush. So we've got the flame of fire in the burning bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, but the bush was not consumed. There's a lot of debate in this passage. Not going into the debates. Was it God? Was it an angel? The wording there. All we know this for sure, that it was a message of God. I'll tell you that. God was sending a message through this. So that part people get all caught up in and trying to decipher. But I know that the message came from God to deliver to them. And I know at the end of it, he says, I am the I who I am. It's the great I am that was sending him. But the fire represents the presence and the power of God. Now, let me take you on a little journey and I'll connect the dots with this. Because we're talking about God show me, God lead me, God guide me. God did not start a bush on fire to catch Moses' attention. The bush was not on fire. Do you notice that? The bush was not on fire. This wasn't a brush fire. God was consuming the bush, but it was not consumed. It was not burning, okay? The bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. God has often used fire to represent the presence and the power of God. It's representation. There's a reason for it. Let me read you through some of these, or read some of these uh, to you. Exodus 13, 1, And the Lord went before them day by a pillar of cloud, and to lead them in the way and night by a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. 24 verse 17. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was unto devouring fire on top of the mountain and their eyes were the children uh, of the eyes of the children of Israel. 1 Kings 18.38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice with Elijah praying down fire from heaven. Deuteronomy 9.3. Understand therefore this day that the Lord Thy God, he which goeth over before thee as a consuming fire. Hebrews 12, 29. For our God is a consuming fire. Have you ever played with fire? How, be honest, right? Here's a survey in class, okay? And if you're online, you can comment. How many of you grew up playing with fire? Raise your hand. Okay, my hand's raised. I told you guys this story. I was a teenage boy. I did a lot of stupid things. Some of my stories ended up with me having no eyebrows and no hair. 
And I know that sounds funny, but back when I had hair, it was a big deal. I literally singed all the tips of my hair and my eyebrows off because we went around catching spiders and I took a propane torch in there to burn the spiders and I kept clicking and it wouldn't start. So I stuck my face down there and then it clicked and it started up in my face. Fire is powerful. Okay, that's what it is. Fire is powerful. And when the presence of fire is there, you know it. I kind of alluded to that on Sunday. Fire has power to consume and has power to change. It has power to destroy. It has power to heat. One of the most powerful forces that we know of is fire. You can feel the effects of it. It's obvious when you're around it. And I know we're talking about the Old Testament, but let, let me make application of this. The Spirit of God works in us now. Today, the Spirit of God that we're talking about is the indwelling of the Spirit of God inside of us. 1 John 4, 13, Hereby we know we that the, we dwell in Him and He in us because He has given us His Spirit. And then the Bible says in Philippians 2.13, For it is God which worketh both in you to will and to do his good pleasure. And you think about what he's saying. The Spirit of God is inside of us. We have the Spirit of God. So we have this fire of God. This very presence of God that he's talked about. We've got the passion of God, the conviction of God, the move of God. Man, we have it. We talked about stirring it up inside of us on Sunday. But then in Philippians, he talked about, for it is God that works in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. God God has it in you to to move and to work in your life, to work in your hearts. See, the Spirit of God, even on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and sat upon each one of them. So so you see this, this story, it's all in here. God works through this image of fire. So when we're looking at the fiery bush and it was there, it was the power and the presence of God. It was something different than the surroundings. You're not just talking to anybody. The great I am is in the presence of you. Now think about this. That was, he had to walk in the presence of that. Guess where the spirit of God is now? It's right here. How does that look? How does, how does that act in our lives? See, the spirit of God brings change. The Spirit of God brings conviction. God will make himself known. God will speak to our hearts. God will tell you no. You guys know what I'm talking about? This is how I know. I was dating a girl that I was not meant to date. God God wanted me to break off with that before I went to college. Why? Because in college, I was going to meet my wife. And that other girl wasn't meant to be my wife. God knew that. So times God will step in your life and tell you no. Sometimes God will tell you yes. God will burden your heart and God will make things clear. He will give you peace. I told you guys my story of that, that whole limbo about I didn't know where to go and all this other stuff. I, I remember when I was switching from computer science to go into full-time ministry. Do you know what truly was the fact that I knew that that's what God wanted me to do? There was a peace that was inside of my life that I could not explain. It was so out of my comfort zone. I was not a public speaker. I was terrified to speak in front of people. It was so out of my element. And I remember I struggled with that, but I can tell you this, I had peace. Do you know where that peace comes from? Something inside of you, that, that consuming presence and the power of God, that only God can do that. And if you're sitting there thinking that maybe Satan's giving me peace, Satan doesn't work in that way. It's God that gives us peace. He is the prince of peace. He is that calm. He's a giver of it. Satan does the opposite. He works through fear. Jesus does the opposite. Now, there's a twofold lesson with this as well. It's not only the presence of God that God works inside of us to guide us, and he does. Let me just tell you, everybody as parents right now, if you're willing to listen to the presence of God, he will guide you. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God to give unto all men liberally. If you don't know what to do as a parent deciding what age your daughter can date, if you're a parent trying to figure out when to let your kids go, if you're a parent not knowing if, if, if they, these kids should go on this trip, if you're somebody that's trying to figure out whether I should sell my house or get another job or whatever, and you're just saying, we're all there. I promise if I was going around the room and we were to take a survey online right now, everybody would be like, I'm in a spot where I don't know what to do. If you have the spirit of God inside of you, have the one that will guide you and convict you. When you're doing wrong, God will shake you up and tell you you're doing wrong. 
And when you're headed down the wrong path, remember, he, 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 he leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Go down the wrong path. And I promise you this, God will let you know. If any of you ever done the wrong thing and had the conviction of God in your life, it will shake you up. It will wake you up. God does this. He's in the presence of God speaking to him in the form of this bush. Today, it's the presence of God working inside of me to help me know what to do. But the second part of it is also this. You think I'm not good enough. I don't know. I'm showing the two sides of this because you're sitting there. I'm I'm nobody. You know, I'm nobody. I'm just nobody telling everybody about somebody that will save anybody. That's that's who we are. We, We are that bush you sit there and say, man, I don't have what it takes. It's a beautiful thing to see what God does through us because of the spirit and the presence of God. The Bible says in Acts 1.8, and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You are a thorny, insignificant bush. But God says, I will do an amazing work in your life it's not only the conviction to guide us, it's the plan that he has for us. Go back to Exodus 3.2. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked. And behold, the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. Let me tell you how fire works, okay? I'm going to give you a, a lesson back into kindergarten, okay? You light something on fire. And whatever that is burns until it's gone because it takes the resources of whatever it's burning to, to produce the heat. You know what I'm saying? So you have to, if you have a fire in your house, you have to keep putting logs on it. But what God was saying here, it's not you that I'm consuming. It's me just working through you. Because I look at there and say, God, I don't have what it takes to be a pastor or a dad or the husband. And God says, no, I'm going to work through you it's not necessarily that you have what it takes. It's what he has what it takes to work through my life. Think about this in the same context. 2 Corinthians 4.16 For which cause we faint not, but through the outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. How is that possible? Is this the spirit of God? Isaiah 40 verse 28 Has thou not known, has thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not? Neither is he weary. There is no, search, no such searching for his understanding. He gave the power, a power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increased his strength. Even to the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. And they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Moses was doing seemed to be an impossible task. And God said, I just need you to be a surrendered person to walk into that situation to carry the presence and the power of God. It is a consuming fire. It is the conviction of God. It is the leading of God. But let me tell you, the second part of that is, it is that same spirit of God that will take control of your life to do with your life what you never thought would be possible. The next lesson that we get into, you know what Moses does? Excuses, excuses, excuses. That's what he gets before God. And I think oftentimes we think, man, I don't have what it takes. I don't have speaking ability. I don't have leadership ability. I'll never do this. And God sits there and says, wait, wait, wait a minute. When, when did you make it all about you? You know what I'm saying? It's like, that's what we do. When, when did you make it all about you? God said, I'm, I said I would do this. I want to do it through you. God equips us and empowers to do what we cannot do for ourselves. And you say, wait a minute. This is all true then why don't we experience this conviction of God more? The power, the working of the power of God in us and also the conviction of God in us to lead us and talk to us. So here it is. You guys ready for this? Remember, God is a consuming fire. The presence of God, the movement of God, the passion of God, the speaking of God. Quench not the spirit. Do you know what the word quench means? It means to extinguish. Do you know why the Bible talks about the passion of God, the conviction of God, the speaking of God, the conviction as a fire? And then he also turns around in the same breath and says, quench not the spirit. Because of the fact is oftentimes when the spirit of God is working in your life and he wants to do something and he wants to lead you to something better, 
we take that spray gun of sin and we begin to, we, we begin to put out the Spirit of God. We quench it. We put a wet blanket over that fire. We quench the Spirit of God. Well, I'm not listening to that. We turn the radio station. We, we tune it out. We don't listen to friends. We don't listen to advice. We don't listen to what God's saying. Then we get into a mess and say, why am I like this? And God said, I didn't send you there. I try to get a hold of your, I, I, I try to convict you. I try to lead you. I sent you a friend and you told your friend, get out of my business. You're not my boss or you're not my mom. You know what I'm talking about? And God said, man, I try to work through people. Man, I, I, I preach messages through the pastor. I preach messages through your life group leader. I, I brought friends and family into your life and you continue to do your own thing. And then we get into a mess and we wonder why. How did I get here? I thought God was a God that never let us down. And God says, I'm also the God that convicts. We quench the spirit of God. We tell God, no, or I'm going to do my own thing. Or we're dating somebody or going somewhere and doing something and we know it's not right. We'll come up with every excuse in the world to keep pushing through. We quench the spirit of God, even though you know in your heart and your mind, you're not doing right. God does this because he loves us. Let me close with this. God leads us in an unusual and simple ways. God leads us through conviction of the Spirit of God. He'll let us know. He moves us. He convicts us. But the third thing, God leads us through our steps of faith and obedience. Notice Moses' response. It's so cool. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. I'm going to go check it out. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see... God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here am I. When did God call out to Moses? Notice what it says. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside. See, Moses was responding to the pulling of God to him. He was responding to it. God leads us and guides us one step at a time. Do you remember that? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Not the journey. And it could be right now that God's waiting for you just to take that first head turn, that first step. God works in your heart and says, I want you in church. I don't know why God's not guiding me. I don't know why God's not working. And God says, um, just will you go to church? Just, just take that first step. <laughs> That's what I'm waiting for. We're like, God, give me the right person in my life. And God said, I just want you to get out of bed on Sunday. Just, just take that first step. And when he saw he turned aside, then God spoke to him. Because the Bible says, remember Hebrew, or John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear, they listen, and they follow. It, it, it's a matter of taking a step after you hear a message. Taking a step after you hear something and God convicts you. It's the same thing about God's going to use you in a great way to minister to somebody's heart. And then all of a sudden, God says, I want you, go talk to them. You haven't seen them in a while. Ah, I don't want to bug them. They're talking to somebody. Man, God's saying, you missed out on a great blessing to do something because you just want to take the, the steps to do it. Just do it. Steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Matthew 25, 23, listen to this. It's a passage in the teaching of Jesus that we often overlook. His Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee a ruler over many things. You were obedient in the baby steps. I could use you with bigger steps. You were faithful to get out of bed and go to church. I could now use you to put the right person in your life. A lot of the times we're, we're, we're wanting this and God's just waiting for the Moses experience and Moses turned aside and went to it. And then God began to give him the next steps. Man, how often did God speak to you in the simple little things and he's just waiting for you to trust and obey? Verse 3 again, And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. First step. Okay. Okay. I'll break up with her. I'll keep my job even though I hate it. I'll get up and go to church. Okay. Man, it's so simple. This incredible journey that we're about to go on with Moses all started with Moses just saying, okay. 
It's the same thing as us saying, yes, Lord, or I will. I'm listening. You have my attention. I'm tired of wandering around in the backside of the desert. And he said, draw not hither, nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. And what happens next? I'm <laughs> so cool. I'll tell you what happens next. He discovers the plan that he had. He steps out and sees miracles of God. He literally parts the Red Sea, sees the enemy overtaken, experiences the Passover, experiences the mighty outpouring of the presence of God. You say, wow, Moses, how did all that start? I saw the fire and I just turned and answered. And that was the first step. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I don't know where everybody is online and in person when it comes to you being lost. I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't care if it's as big as you getting married or as small as not knowing to go to Kroger or Walmart after church tonight. I don't know. But I can tell you this, that God works through people. God works through messages. God will work through the radio. God will work through phone calls and text messages and online services. God will work through your best friend. The question is, are you listening when God's trying to tell you something? And then to follow and just listen. Man, because I promise you, if you are saved, you have the presence and the Spirit of God. Don't belittle that. Man, if God is leading you to pray or if God's leading you to a change or you're doing something wrong or you take the wrong path and God begins to shake you up, man, listen. Because you'll end up in the ditch and you'll be complaining about how your life got so messed up and God's going to be like, I didn't do that. You quenched the Spirit of God when I was trying to lead you all along and you did it to yourself. 